Welcome to UCYP, where we have uphill conversations with young professionals. Real conversations with bright, forward-thinking YPs. You know, every generation is different than those who've come before. And rather than generalities, we want to hear unique, individual perspectives of the generation that's currently on the rise. We want to elevate the voices, talent, and contributions of YPs in order to build a bridge to connect the past, present, and future generations, helping them to be heard, to be understood, and ultimately, to see them lead. Welcome to another episode of UCYP, Uphill Conversations Young Professionals. In this uh, episode four, we, um, we're having a great conversation with two young professionals on bridging the generational gap. And what I found really neat about this conversation is when you talk about bridging the generational gap in the workplace, there's so many different avenues that you can take um, to kind of talk about it. And what I, um, what I like is in this one, we kind of really zoned in on collaboration, inclusion, and bias. Um, but in all these areas, you know, what you need to remember is that even though they're all very important, it can be really tricky when you're working across generations. Yeah, and I think with what you and I do working with companies and some of the, you know, what our activities Mm -hmm. and getting to work with these young professionals, um, they, they have so much to bring to the table and so much to offer, and they really desire to connect. They really want to grow. And, um, and it's really obvious, like listening to two people that we brought in Mm -hmm. into this conversation, doing two different things in their worlds, but sharing that same desire, like, you know, not all of these guys just want to sit at home and do nothing. Mm -hmm. They really have drive. They have desire. Um, they want to connect, not just fit. They don't want to just fit, you know, Mm -hmm. no one likes fitting. Right. I, I just want, you know, I could just fit in. Nobody wants to just fit in. <laughs> no. You know, it's, it just sucks. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not fun. But if you're really just a part, I belong. I mm-hmm. think it's, that's what you hear is this desire to belong. But when you hear them talk, you see why they do belong. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably just smart, gifted, talented, very well, you know, they communicate so well, mm-hmm. you know, great communicators. Yeah. And what was sort of fun about this one is the two young professionals we had, um, Jessica Sharp, she is a millennial and Jed, he, Jed Dews, he's actually more uh, in the Gen X generation. So we had almost, I think a 10 year span, even between them in their ages talking about this topic and, you know, the work environments that they're in, they're in positions where they're having to lead people who are both older and younger than them and bring everybody together. So um, they just had great perspective to bring, great thoughts, and um, I really think our listeners are going to enjoy it. And I think they will too. And you know what? We're live. From Vegas. From Las Vegas, doing our (laughs) intro here. Yeah. And so it's been a good time. It's Mm -hmm. been great. And um, at a conference with our client Mm -hmm. and, and, and also around a lot of Young professionals, yeah, absolutely. that are women, that women that own businesses, mm-hmm. young and old, in a room, and it's like 
energy, man. Yeah. Energy everywhere. Oh, yeah. And one of the cool things about the conference this year is they actually started a uh, reverse mentorship matchmaking program. So they actually invited young professionals, 40 and under, to come in and connect with older professionals so that they can, you know, mentor up, which I thought was really neat. Um, I think it's very insightful uh, just for these women entrepreneurs and women-owned businesses to be to be going in that direction. And for everyone listening, we are going to do a topic about that. Yeah, we we're going to get into it, and we're going to try to see what we can do to help that same activity happen yeah. for those young professionals that are out there mm-hmm. and close that gap, bridge that gap. Yeah. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and jump into this episode with Jed and Jessica. Welcome to UCYP. Uh, This is episode four, which is very exciting. And we have some incredible guests with us here today. Um, So before we get started, why don't I let them introduce themselves? Hey guys, I'm Jed Dews. I'm the Associate Executive Director at Pendleton Place, a child welfare nonprofit organization here in Greenville, uh, focusing mostly on foster care services and uh, also an independent consultant for Child Welfare Services, uh, working with the Children's Bureau and some other federal organizations, uh, looking at best practices across the country in how we work with with, uh, children who are victims of maltreatment. Hello, I'm Jessica Sharp. I'm currently serving as the diversity manager at Greenville Health System, which is the large health system in South Carolina. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here with um, Tim and me. Um, we're we're excited with just the wealth of knowledge that you guys are bringing and your unique perspective as young professionals um, in the area. So what I really want to dig into today, and I know I mentioned this a little bit, um, obviously, when I invited you to come is as young professionals in the workplace, you know, we right now, I think makeup, it's a little bit less than half, but we're going to be 70% of the workforce um, by 2025, which isn't that far away. So um, if, if you're like me, you've probably been at events where people get talking about young professionals and, oh, I don't know if I want to hire them. They can be so difficult to work with. So what we really want to dig into is kind of bridging that um, generational gap. And, you know, how do we as YPs really become um, better coworkers and how do, you know, we just all work better together. So with young professionals, and a lot of times when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about the millennial stereotype, even though some of us might be in that group, some of us might not. But we really value self-expression and individuality. But I think that sometimes that makes people maybe view young professionals as being self-involved. So how do we as YPs cultivate greater self-awareness in order to better better interact and connect with people who are different from us? Um, So I actually kind of think about this topic a lot. kind of in general around generations because I do a lot of work in this space um, because it seems like it particularly recently a lot of people are interested in managing millennials and learning about how to kind of manage across generations Um, but specifically around this idea of kind of self-awareness self-expression and how do I as an individual know about myself and then kind of be able to express that Um, I think it's really important you know for all of us particularly those of us that are kind of on the younger side to to be as self-aware as possible so for me that 
looks like learning as much as I can, um, reading books, listening to podcasts all the time, taking just about every personality test that exists um, so that I can know as much about myself as possible so that when I engage in the workforce or in, you know, community organizations, I'm being, you know, fully my authentic self. And um, I'm the kind of person who like my nails are always some random color um, and I'm wear a lot of pink and all of that. Um, And I used to feel like that that would make me come across as someone who was not professional and Mm -hmm. fluffy. Um, But I've realized now that that is fully a part of who I am. So if you get all of the great qualities of me working hard and me being collaborative and all of those things, you've got to also get what is now purple nail polish on my nails. Well, and I and I love that, and and I think too, you know. So uh, that's great, you know, Jessica, kind of bringing in some of your own experience, and you know, Jed, I know act- actually both of you have served in um, different interim roles, really leading um, big things within your organization. So, you know, Jed, I'm sure you've had to lead people who are, you know, older than you and younger than you. So, what are some, I guess, best practices that you have? What are some of the things that you found have made you more successful in really just connecting with people different than you? I think a lot of it has to do with where you place your emphasis. You know, in in the roles that I've been in, I've been really fortunate to have a team from the top down who emphasized equity. And I think that that it, that kind of transcended generations. Um, and it's also it's also an approach that that allows different age groups or different types of people to work together well when you know that equity is is the factor that you're using to lead your conversations and lead your decision making uh, and so it's been a it's a value I think it's just it's a value-based workplace and um, so I, I know that there are always there have been challenges you know leading an organization through interim periods we see those for sure um, but if if folks know that that you have uh, you have a balanced approach in mind and that your goal is, uh, equity, then mm-hmm. I think that they are a bit patient with you. I think they're a bit understanding maybe if you trip, trip a little bit along the way um, because you've told them, you've been transparent with them that uh, you are trying to create this playing field that uh, takes those differences into mind. I, I love your answer. <clears throat> and so the thing is, it's just kind of like, you know, subjective versus objective, right? So you could say, do the right thing to somebody, right? You need to do the right thing. Well, that's subjective, (laughs) right? So with equity, how do you keep it? What's the objective definition that you would give of equity to help people to understand it from your point of view versus a subjective version of equity? Because everybody can kind of mess with it. You know, they tweak it their own way. Like, I'd like to hear yours. Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. I think it's a tough one, too. And I know there are people on both sides of um, hating and loving the really classic illustration of the people on the boxes, you know, when you're right. talking about equity and mm-hmm. that right. the difference between equality and equity and, um, you know, giving someone uh, just because you give some, everyone the same thing doesn't mean you've been equitable if they approach the situation mm-hmm. with different mm-hmm. needs um, and, and different starting points. And so, you know, there's, there's that other image of, well, if we just re- re- remove the need for the boxes in the first place or take down the fence maybe that, that's making them want to see need those boxes. Um, it, that's kind of the, the, the way I've become most comfortable with that illustration. So a lot of times in the work that I do, we talk about equity. Equity is kind of from an institutional lens of, of what is the fence that's right. in the way mm-hmm. and how do we remove the fence, remove the need for the boxes in the first place. Mm. 
And I'd like to just add from a, as someone who also um, is kind of wrapping up an interim role um, in a field that was very new to me. I um, came to healthcare about two years ago um, and then like a year later got put into this pretty significant role. And I think it's also about being really um, collaborative and, and being kind of to, you know, Dr. Nika White, intentional inclusionist. Um, and, and to me, I define inclusion as, you know, appreciating those differences. So, you know, Megan and I may be different in a lot of ways, but how do I, you know, learn from Megan and say to her, I may disagree with you, but that's okay. Let's have this be a part of the conversation. And so I feel like for me, as someone who's young and, and I look young, so I can't hide it from anybody. Um, and also someone who's newer in this field, having to, to manage physicians and folks that are older than me and working with C-suite level individuals, I've really had to be thoughtful about being inclusionist, being an inclusionist and being really collaborative. Well, I love this because this is like, I literally, I just did a talk last night. And so for me, I repeat myself over and over again. So it doesn't matter if you know me 20 years from now, you're going to go, didn't you say that to me 20 years ago? That's everybody that knows me that's still in my life because I only keep intentionally the right people mm -hmm. in my life. So I love what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I'm not in the quote unquote, I'm in the Yoda generation. I'm the Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi and I'm okay with this. And I, and I laugh about it because once again, I'm repetitive. So people will hear it. But the one thing is I may change it slightly, but the principles and the rudiments are still important to mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you can do at an advanced level. It took rudiments to get there. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I live by rudiments. Yeah. I live by those things. I do want to advance, but I believe in them. I love what you're saying about collaboration. Mm -hmm. To me, collaboration is the admission of weakness. Mm, that's good. And I like it's that. and so I would like to talk about that yeah. because I'm a person. I'll be 47 this year. I'm sitting with and the one thing that I love is that when I get with people that are younger than me, it's because I believe it's part of my DNA. Uh -huh. It's in me. I'm always reaching back. I was always taught to be a generationally minded person. That it's not about where you're going. It's about where you're going in order to reach back and give to those who are coming. Mm -hmm. So that's like always been my thing. It's the blessing of inheritance. It's how do you set people up to move forward? Mm -hmm. You know, it's every generation setting things up, building, you know, drilling holes, making wells, having water, hiding and showing where, the, where it is so other people can have it. Like, that's my thing. That's what I care about. That's all I care about. I don't care about all the other stuff. I want to get ahead just so I can reach back. That's my right, goal. Right. So with that, I would love to have dialogue around that collaboration, just that statement. So like you said, wow, that's right. a good way to look at it. Right. Knowing that here I am as a, you know, a person, you know, older than both of you, but knowing that in my heart, the only thing I care about is looking at you and saying, I need you. Mm, like right. I want to work with you. Yeah. Like how do you guys help, you know, I get it. It's the way I was raised, but there are so many people in huge numbers <laughs> that have not been raised <laughs> right. the way that I was raised. Even in my deficiencies and lack of my life, I was still taught one thing. Mm -hmm. You need people. Yeah. And so with that, what does that mean to you? How, how do you help people? Because we want to close this gap. We want to build this bridge and close a gap and help communicate. What what can what can you do to help us understand older generations to connect with you that you want to collaborate right. and you know you it's okay to say I'm weak like like I can say it I'm fine I'm comfortable with it right but even right. from your point of view like help us close this gap 
Well, well, I think it takes a lot of things. I think, one, it takes both parties, me as the 27-year-old and you as the 47-year-old, saying, I don't know everything because I don't mm-hmm. you know, care if you're the CEO of a company. You don't know everything. So I think it takes us being comfortable saying, this is not my area of expertise. Please educate me. I was sitting in a meeting literally an hour ago, and a doctor was speaking doctor speak, and I said, I need you to slow down and tell me what that means in real-life mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Um, so we've got to be okay <laughs> saying, I don't know this. Right. Help educate me so that we can work together. Um, and I think it's creating those kind of spaces, particularly for those of us that are facilitating meetings or that are in leadership organizations. Um, you know, there's all kinds of research around women, you know, and the fact that, you know, we don't raise our hands as much. Or if we raise our hands, sometimes men for, you know, good or bad intent, they just start talking, right? So it, it is, on, the onus is on us as facilitators and leaders to really engage everyone in conversation so that they do feel like it's a comfortable space for them to say, tell me what you think. I don't know if I agree, but I want to have this conversation. Um, so I think it's that. Um, and I think also it takes, you know, some responsibility for older folks to say, I, I want to learn. I listen to about 35 podcasts, but one of them that I listen to um, is called Mentoring Moments with Denise Ristar. And she talks a lot about the fact that she is a mentor to a lot of 20-somethings. And she talks so much about how much she learns from those 20-somethings. So I'm going to learn from a a mentor-mentee relationship. But I hope that I also am going to do some teaching. So I think it takes a little bit of vulnerability to say, I don't know all of this, but let's work on it together. And I don't know, Jed, what you have to add. I totally agree. I think the, the biggest and first hurdle is just that that vulnerability, which I think is hard for, you know, my parents, my grandparents. I do think that's generational. Yeah, I I was born in 1981, so I I consider myself Generation X. I was kind of on that cusp. But um, I think that that my generation definitely is less comfortable with authoritarian, just, you know, the the, I have to be the strong, perfect leader. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I think we started to become much more comfortable with with just people as humans. And uh, that, I think that's really hard for a lot of leaders to say, um, let's talk about our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities here in order to move forward in a collaboration. But I do agree that's the hardest part, but most important mm-hmm. piece of it. Um, I do. I think one one fault that maybe my generation can get into sometimes is is we had that, uh, it may be before me too, but we had this kumbaya period, I think, where we really, with the best intent, wanted to just feel happy and comfortable with um, you know, we are all equal and the same, and let's just ha- hold hands and be really happy about yeah. that. Um, and, I, you know, kind of the whole let's be colorblind, you know, metaphor right. for it as well. And I think we all know that that, that, that has proven to, to be, while well-intentioned, not the right direction, right? So mm-hmm. we are super different. Let's not pretend we're not. Let's celebrate how different we are and uh, use that to our advantage. Um, and I think part of what, a lot of what Tim was saying reminds me of what we learn in social work and probably other disciplines as just strengths, strengths-based approaches mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to work and to our, our, our clinical practice or our whatever we're doing. It's, it's strengths-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think good leaders see the, the strengths in the differences, and that allows them to collaborate with each other. Mm, that's good. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. And I think in terms of, of leadership and that whole idea of being vulnerable and collaborating, one of the things um, I was just talking to uh, one of the companies that I work for, you know, she has this this great young person who works for her. And one of the hardest things is we really need to get her to elevate. But I think sometimes when you're young, 
admitting that you don't know something. It's it, it's kind of that thing when you get older, I think you become a lot more comfortable saying, I don't know that. And, and yes, I'm a lifelong learner and that's okay. But I think sometimes we aren't opening that door, even as leaders or as the people higher in the organization to say, hey, I want you to learn. I know that you're learning. It's okay if you don't know the answer, but ask. Don't, you know, don't act like you think that you know or tell me something that's wrong. I'd be much, you know, that's not the way to go. But, you know, ask the question and also, you know, seek out the answer. Try to solve the problem. Don't just come to me and say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of going even a little bit deeper into what, you know, you said, Jed, about really celebrating the differences among people. So I think that I think that we're moving that direction. I think we're I think we're moving that way. Um, but along those lines, there's a there's a whole issue of bias. So you have your conscious bias, the things that you know that you have, and with biases, you may know that you have them and that you need to overcome them. But then there's also the unconscious bias. So let's say you're sitting at a table with people that you work with. How do you manage, you know, how is a young professional, how do you manage and overcome those biases that you have, but also work with the biases that the other people at the table have? And the reality is they're there. Mm -hmm. And what's unfortunate is we try to flex the other people toward our side. Right. I mean, and, and I also want to just like quickly talk for two seconds about vulnerability and then jump back to this idea of unconscious bias. Um, my life coach is working with me right now on vulnerability because everybody is crappy at it. Um, but if you want to learn more about this, I highly encourage you. I like to give people homework. So I used to be a teacher. Um, look up the work of Dr. Brene Brown. Um, and, you know, she's got so much work out there around this idea of vulnerability, but I think it makes us better humans. So jumping back to unconscious bias. I mean, our brains have a lot of junk. Mm -hmm. Um, And quite frankly, our brains are lazy. Um, And so about 90% of our brain is essentially on autopilot. And it wants to make quick decisions. And it wants to do things easily. And 100 years ago, plus, that was great. Because if a dinosaur is running at you, you need to make a quick choice. But in 2017, things are a little bit more complicated. Um, And so I talk a lot about this idea of unconscious bias and the work that I do with diversity and inclusion. um, Because it is very, very real. Um, And I think a lot of the issues that we see in the world are coming from unconscious bias. So in terms of mitigating it and how do you kind of work around these things that are very real, call it out. I mean, there are so many times in meetings where I say things like, I know this is my own bias, but, or I may, you know, say to someone, okay, tell me where that's coming from. Like I, I see that you feel this way or that you think this, tell me more about where that's coming from. Um, because this is a thing that, I mean, I do this work every day and you know, Nika White, who I've already mentioned, she does this work every day and I can tell you, I mean, I won't tell you what my biases are, but I know what they are, right? We all deal with this. Our brains are lazy. So I think it's about calling it out and just doing as much kind of work on your own stuff, um, taking things like the Harvard Implicit Association test to figure out what your own junk is, um, because we all have it. But I think just being real about what this is, um, you know, and and maybe trying to teach your brain to do things a little bit differently. Mel Robbins um, is awesome. And she has a book now. I love Mel Robbins. Don't you love? Oh, my God. I love Mel Robbins. (laughs) So look up also so much homework, the five second rule. um, And she basically five five seconds. Yeah, five seconds in five seconds. You can literally change your brain. I just wrote a blog Mm -hmm. post about this. So, um, you know, teaching your brain to act differently Mm -hmm. and calling it out when you see it. Yeah. You know, it it reminds me, too, just of, of what we see. We all are so tied up in our work. And so, of course, I think right about my work. And 
I think immediately of, of what we are learning every day and knowing about how early childhood experiences affect the brain and how trauma affects the brain and, you know, how easy it is to have an experience imprint, you know, on you and just shape the way that you think and see the world. And um, I think that, that that's true for bias as well. So we see effects of trauma in so many ways in a, in a child's life, these adverse childhood experiences uh, shaping, but also they're shaping the way that they, the lens that they have. And mm-hmm. it's just all the biases that they're building um, that they may not even know about and be in touch with. And it's so easy to happen to all of us. Um, and those things really stick with us. And one of the, one of my favorite uh, metaphors I've learned when I started to think about and unpack bias for myself too was um, just that, you know, this, this ongoing record in our brain, this internal record literally like a vinyl, like a record. And, you know, you can, you can skip and hit a pit and, or, you know, you just have these little pits in your record that are just there. And when you hit them, you you just kind of, your brain kind of skips and it takes so much intentional work to find those pits in your internal record and to really know what they are. Um, And I also, you know, what you talked about, what do you do with these coworkers at the table? Mm -hmm. Man, you got to have a lot of grace and patience because, you know, I always have to take a deep breath and remind myself that the kind of intentional work that it takes to uncover those is kind of a privilege for some people. You know, I mean, not everyone, some folks are stuck in survival mode or we don't know what they're doing. Like the time to, to have the mindfulness to really work through these, it's it's super important and vital. But I try to remind myself, not everyone is at that level yet. You know, they're mm-hmm. still maybe working on some other hierarchies yeah. <laughs> of, of importance. Mm-hmm. I love that image of the vinyl because I'm a I'm an audiophile, so I love vinyl. Yeah, and just like the imprint, but yet you can still get pits mm-hmm. in what's been printed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And what we don't realize is daily we're being printed, mm-hmm. and we can still get pits on what's been printed. Absolutely, yeah. But yet you can condition and work with that, mm-hmm. right? And yep. extend the vinyl. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jed, along with what you were saying, really getting into um, kind of what people are going through and how people think through different different things. Um, so a book that I've been reading is The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And one thing that really stood out to me when I was preparing for this podcast and, and thinking through that is he says, you, through the power of your own thoughts, are the most influential person in your life, which means there is nobody more effective at undermining your success and nobody more effective at supporting your success. Mm. So kind of thinking through that and then really um, diving into what I think is really important for young professionals is the whole idea of IQ versus EQ. So, you know, we go through school, we're taught all these things, but really those book smarts, that's only, you know, 10% of your success and your life and career depends on that. And the rest is everything else. So we talked a little bit about you know, how do we become more self-aware? And, you know, if, if we can become more aware of our emotions and really engage in kind of self-regulation, evaluating our emotions, managing them, you know, what about when you don't receive the response that you want or the response that you're yeah. expecting? So you're you're in a room, you know, you, you think you've got this great collaboration going on. You've had really great dialogue. You think that you're really reaching across the aisle, feeling confident in what you're saying, you don't get the response that you want. I mean, how how do you work with that? As a young professional, especially, mm-hmm. to come off as being understanding and not being forceful or undermining. I, I, you know, messages don't land sometimes, but also maybe the message is okay, 
fine and just the framework is okay. I, you know, I question a lot. I find myself a lot of times questioning, is it the message or is it how I framed the message? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think the framing is so important in the words that are used. And I have found a lot of times in in working with colleagues who who were, were kind of maybe on this journey together to they we know that there's some areas where they need to be a little more self-aware uh, or they need to understand some of the complexities around the very emotional situations that we're working with uh, that um, it's one as simple as one word that will shut them down or turn them off of, mm-hmm. of what we're all trying to to convey. Um, and so a lot of times with, with the team, we will work on over and over again delivering the message and then just hit a certain word and stop and just really ask the question of, um, what is that, that? I know what that word means to you. What does it mean to them? Because I think your message is getting lost in how they are hearing that word. Like in my line of work, welfare. You know, mm-hmm. it's a tricky word mm-hmm. um, that to me means invest social investments into our future, mm-hmm. but doesn't for everybody. So um, I just I would just think in those situations where we're not getting those results, we have to step back and really think about the framing. Yeah, I mean, I echo everything that Jed said. I'm really fascinated by human behavior and the brain and kind of how I may say some words to Jed and he may hear them in a way that was completely different than my intent. So I think particularly, you know, the situation you gave us, Megan, as a hypothetical, you know, we're sitting at a table, you think, yes, like, I'm killing it right now. Everybody's on the same page. And then somebody says something that makes you think, oh, wait a minute, they don't, Mm -hmm. they have not heard what I just said. So I think, Literally, to Jed's point, it's it's around saying, okay, let's backtrack here. This is, you know, kind of what I meant to say, and, and maybe I said it in the wrong way, or maybe, you know, I should have framed it differently. Let's talk more about, you know, where you see this conversation or where you see the situation with the intent of kind of just calming everybody down because you know the way that our brains are structured is such that when we get frustrated it's really hard for us to process information so getting everybody just kind of on a level playing field and saying let's kind of work together to to figure out where these differences in communication are and I think along with that it's it's almost going back to the admission of weakness so having the you know, the emotional IQ or having, you know, I'm not sure if empathy is always the right word, but Mm -hmm. being able to um, pick up on what other people are thinking. And if you notice that's happening, I think it's okay as a young professional to take a time out and to acknowledge, acknowledge that that's Mm -hmm. hanging in the room and say, okay, well, let's go back and let's talk about the understanding. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Let's make sure that the way that I'm communicating with you is being received the way that I'm intending it to be received. I have a, I have a question. This is just just random. Is your preference to be with the like-minded or to be or to be challenged? You know, I I feel like anyone who says they don't like to be with like-minded people might be lying to you. I I think it's such a basic human instinct to mm-hmm. enjoy being with mm-hmm. people who think like you do. And, and um, at the same time, can we, can we learn to enjoy a challenge of, of being with people who think very differently than us? Yeah, I think so. Um, but I admit, you know, sure, I really enjoy being with people who think and work and act like I do. It's, it's, part of a daily instinct that I have to to monitor, I think, and, and check myself on. I love that. So monitor and check mm-hmm. yourself on. Mm-hmm. So why would you monitor and check yourself on that on that instinct? Because instincts can be very good mm-hmm. in certain situations, but at the same time they can be equally as you know detrimental to the opposite side. So why for you monitoring, what is yeah. that like what do you monitor for? 
Well, and and I know, I'm sure that, that Jessica can speak a lot to this as well from the from the the DNI perspective. But you know, I think that um, the instinct is for comfort. Like the instinct right. is not something that's helping us survive necessarily. I think it's just a comfort level thing, um, and we don't enjoy it. You know, it's work. It's work to 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 talk with people who think and and act very differently than you do. Um, so I, I mean, I think it, it is just more of a taking the easy way. So and of course, the easy way is. Um, not always going to benefit us or build us in the best way. So the monitoring, I think, comes from just making sure I'm asking myself regularly, uh, you know, are am I being challenged? You know, am I learning from new perspectives and new people? Uh, because I will say, you know, the reflection tells me that that's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. if I look back at those interactions with people differently than me, I can say yes, that was valuable. wasn't always fun. wasn't yeah. always easy, <laughs> right. um, but it was a valuable interaction. So. So, yeah. Yeah, I love this conversation and this question. Um, you know, back to the original question, it kind of depends on my um, energy level. <laughs> like when I'm stressed like, do I have like, Right, like right it? now I'm stressed out. So I'm like, I just want to yeah. be around people that understand me. Yeah. But in general, <laughs> I, I really, you know, I appreciate conversations. And, and I'm also a little bit of a nerd, so I like to learn. And so I recognize that for me, when I meet new people that are different and, and that have different perspectives, I'm going to learn something. And what I know from a, a DNI perspective around the work that I do is that, yes, those conversations are challenging. They're not air quotes easy, but they are better. They're better for you as a human, for your organizations, for your business, for all of them. Your outcomes are better. So yes, it's easier. I mean, our brains are hardwired for connection. Our brains want us to be around people that are like us. What I tell people is that doesn't always mean optically we look the same, but people that share life experiences. So it's really easy to go to a party and spend the whole time with someone that you've known forever because it's easy and it's fun. But have you grown from that? No. And, and you know, at a party, maybe it's fine, right? But in a work environment and organizations, you know, we, a lot of us at the table are involved in a lot of things. It doesn't make the organization better. So yeah, it's easy and you may go home and feel, you know, warm and fuzzy, but have you moved the needle? Probably not. And I guess one question maybe to to push that a little bit further is, so if we're thinking just beyond, you know, people who aren't like us and people that are different, and we kind of circle back, bring it back full circle to, you know, different generations in the workplace. So, you know, there's, there's always, you know, generations, there's a generation ahead of us, there's a new generation coming up. So, I mean, what do you guys think? What's your opinion? What is that resistance that we feel maybe to connect with older generations? What is, you know, what do you think is stopping us? Do you think that we have these preconditions or these notions that get in the way? Um, and, and how do you, I mean, what is your opinion on that? Yeah, I think it's a few things. Um, is that one, society tells us a lot of stuff. And quite frankly, a lot of it isn't always good, right? So mm-hmm. society is communicating a certain message about millennials. Society communicates a certain message about um, teenagers in general, but specifically this group of teenagers, their Generation Z, and they're also called tech natives. Um, so we are hearing all of society's messaging. And so that's in our brain. Um, and so there's that. And also I go back to it is easy to be around people that – you know, have similar life experience. So for me, quite frankly, a lot of my friends are older than me. And some of them are like 30 years older than me. And I find myself being like, I'm having so much fun with this person that is like older than my parents. Um, but because I share things <laughs> mm-hmm. with them. And so it's air quotes easy. Um, but I think it's a combination of the the messages that society is telling us. Um, and that, you know, gen- millennials are awful. And, you know, 
they're all on their cell phones and, you know, tweeting and whatever. Um, and that it's harder to kind of have to make those connections. And the research that I do on around generations tells us that, quite frankly, generations are not all that different. Mm-hmm. The difference is around the upbringing. So I've had a cell phone for a really long time. So the way that I communicate, it may look different, but essentially it's still very similar to somebody who's older. The form is just different. So I think it's just kind of society telling us that we're different and even you know, naming us millennials and this, and it, it's partly just society's messaging. And then, you know, partly mm-hmm. the conversation we've been having around building bridges can be challenging. And so it's just easier to say, I'm going to hang out with this person who, you know, has similar life experiences mm-hmm. as me. I just love the fact that, you know, what, what, you know, this is just great. It's an enriching conversation, but that statement and, you know, what you just said, even to lead me to where I'm like sitting here absorbing you know, I love the fact that you want to be real and even just, you know, be a better curator of what you're bringing into your system of thought. Like mm-hmm. you're, you know, it's like we need to view ourselves as curators. That's what mm-hmm. we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like we're, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, if you really want to get down to brass tacks, that's where we are. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're receiving, we're viewing, we're surveying, right? We're collecting. We need to curate. Right. And so we actually are only going to reveal what we really are. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I just love this, you know, sitting here and like, I just feel very welcome. And Mm. to like when you say, hey, because my my friends, like, I don't (laughs) listen to anybody my own age. (laughs) They don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. I'm either going to talk to someone younger than me or much older than me. Like, that's basically, that's my rule. Like, I'm not going to go to someone my age and go, what do you think about? Because they're going to go, I don't know. What do you think about it? You know, mm-hmm. that's just the way it works. Right. So I just love seeing this perspective. And this is what we're trying to bring out and what we're trying to present to other people, that there is so much more, right. you know, to the way we need to think about stuff. And there is really the stereotype that exists is just the stereotype that we actually either endorse, you know what I mean? Or, 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 you know, or actually, um, uh, what would I say? Just kind of negate. You know, or, yeah. Negate or trending toward, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. just, just what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. just, we're creatures of habit. Right. I mean, one, we're creatures of habit because again, our brains are lazy. And two, when, whenever, whatever we think about the world or a situation, our brains are trying to prove that. Right. So Correct. if I believe that millennials are crappy, my brain is looking it's the confirmation for ways. bias. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we're, and we're so big into, I think in all of our efforts to like improve, mm-hmm. it's amazing what we don't improve, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But I love this conversation because what we need more of is just that self-inspection. Um, I think we just need more of that authenticity to say that, you know what, I may be wrong or, you know what, I may be exactly right, but I can still listen to you. Mm-hmm. I can still connect with you and engage mm-hmm. with you. Here's what I've learned is that ignorance has no race barrier. Mm-hmm. It has no socioeconomical, mm-hmm. you know, there's no barrier there. Like, I witnessed that growing up where I come from. It's like, no. <laughs> it's like ignorance. There's ignorance to the fact yeah. mm-hmm. and then ignorance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, so yeah. we just have to deal with this. So what if we could have these real engaging conversations? What if we could actually talk to each other? Yeah. We can. I do them but, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. And and I, I, I see it, like, and I can tell the two of you carry that. And you have, probably have to tolerate a lot of stuff. So here's a good question. Instead of tolerating, how do you, how would you advise people, whether they're old or young, doesn't matter, how to celebrate and not just tolerate? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, to me, 
if you if we talk about how do we celebrate differences and it has to come with something that for me probably is based out of some personal experience but um, I know a lot of people who who struggle with celebrating diversity and difference and I think that's because for them you're talking about being a curator I think when they curate when things are coming into their mind it goes in two buckets good or bad you know or when there are hundreds of buckets and I think that real fundamental challenge of um, it's not good it's not bad it's just not you it's just not it's different right and and that self-monitoring and processing of, of information, figuring out a way to just start to think about the different categories that you curate that information into, um, even if you just put it in the, let me think about that bucket. Um, but, you know, I, I think that a lot of people that struggle with the celebration, are it's because that their, their categorization is so limited. And so, you know, I, it's kind of fundamental, but I think the conversation has to start with, um, you know, what values are you attaching to those things? And does it have to be this one or that one? It's not a, it's not an either or. Mm-hmm. Such a thoughtful. I just love that. It's just mm-hmm. very, just, I love it. <laughs> just, you know, I mean, and, I love that. And to piggyback on what Jed is saying, you know, this idea of tolerating diversity, no one wants to be tolerated. Like, right. I don't want you to tolerate right. me as a person of color, <laughs> right. as a female, right? Um, and so, you know, Jed is, is giving you the kind of warm and fuzzy, which I like to think about because, like, I love this work and I believe so much in it. But sometimes I like to give people just the literal facts, right? Because some people are going to embrace and celebrate diversity and inclusion and differences because they learn and they understand, right? But some people are just not going to be that way. And so I like to have a conversation about the business case for all of these things in your personal life and also in your work life. I mean, what you said, Megan, is exactly right. The world is changing. And millennials, I say this all the time, for better or worse, we're taking over. Mm -hmm. And the world is changing. And so if you want to live in a world where you tolerate differences and tolerate diversity, you will not be successful. You Mm -hmm. just won't be as a human as a business leader as whatever so we've got to be able to celebrate those differences and I think the kind of key place to start in that is everyone all of us the four of us at this table and everyone else to go into every conversation looking to learn something and you may not and again I may be right and I may walk away being like okay, I'm right about that. But if we go into conversations wanting to learn something, then our minds are just more open and we're more likely to say, huh, well, I didn't think about that. Or, okay, my my mind changes about things all the time because I'm learning. So if we can start there, we can get to this place where we're celebrating differences as opposed to tolerating or putting up with them. Yeah, I hate, yeah. And I remember being tolerated. Yeah. You you can tell how it feels. Yeah, and it it doesn't feel good at all. You know, it's like, or, you know, it's an appeasement. Like we, we say, don't, you know, don't placate, right? Mm-hmm. Don't patronize, right? Mm-hmm. All of these. It's mm-hmm. funny, the, those words work good in movies. They work right. great in songs. And then they work, they work good in tough, hard situations, right? But it's amazing how it happens every day in all kinds of occasions mm-hmm. and even in subtle ways. Yeah. You know, even, you know, if we're going to just kind of expand out onto something like even beyond passive, you know, you have passive aggressive, right? You know, it's like we have, here's a microaggression. I, I say it all the time. I make jokes. And and anyone listening, please don't get mad. But don't eventually there's going to be a micro, 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 mini micro aggression. <laughs> like I can't keep up with all of them. Here's the thing I do need to keep up with is just to be aware mm-hmm. that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. You know, and right. the thing is, is. We were born to be celebrated, every one of us, mm. as people. That's how we were created, was to be celebrated. 
I grew up with lots of dysfunction in my family. You know, I grew up with that. And a lot of it was because people let deficiencies turn into dysfunctions Mm. and they are different, you know, and, but I learned to see, like, I have an uncle when I grew up and anyone listening again, once again, don't go all PC on me, but this is what I learned in 1972. He was mentally retarded. I got an uncle that's 65 years old that lives in Hartford, Connecticut, a very tough city mm-hmm. on his own. Mm-hmm. He wakes up every day with a routine. He plays an Elvis Presley record. That's the first thing he does. He does his exercises. He goes to the grocery store every day. Then he goes to his job. His grocery stores get his lunch and whatever he's going to bring home, puts it in the refrigerator. Like there's a routine. Mm-hmm. But he lives on his own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And the first person that celebrated him was himself. Right. Yeah. Right. He started that, you know, for him. He always believed there was something in him. And so I love what you what you both are saying. I love that self-monitoring. I love that fact that, you know, when we go into every conversation, no matter how we're feeling, we need to be open to the fact that we may hear something that may be very, it may be helpful. And I'm big into a small degree of that. Like, even if it's the tiniest bit, you know, I don't, all I need is one seed to grow something. Mm -hmm. Give me one kudzu little leaf and I guarantee I could change your whole backyard. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So what if we started realizing that the human relation could spread? Mm -hmm. Now don't get a mental picture of bad kudzu. Okay. Okay, not that's not a beauty, beautiful thing, but what I'm saying right. is, but what if we could learn to say, just give me a little bit of that, mm-hmm. with you yeah. know, because kudzu, the only thing it wants to do is what grow, yeah. yeah. And every one of us has yeah. something in us that just wants to what grow, grow. And I think yeah. one of the things that I just took away from what you said, and and I work um, with high school students, and I'm now in a volunteer capacity, and a lot of them have really hard lives, and so I think about your story a lot, and and they're struggling with things that they shouldn't have to be struggling with, and so I think we need to. I, I wrote down, and maybe t- we'll tweet this later. We were born to be celebrated, but the real honesty is sometimes people aren't celebrating us, and so you know we've got to start with ourselves, and I, right. and we've got to start by celebrating ourselves, and you know other people may come, they may not, but I think that is a piece of this self-awareness and, mm-hmm. and kind of ownership of, of all of who we are and our junk mm-hmm. and our good stuff and all of it. And I think that fits very well into all of what we're talking about. Yeah. When I think what, what you're even, I think, referencing and what Tim just did, which I have a feeling you're very good at, is telling stories. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you, go, if you want to use the kudzu, kudzu metaphor, uh, they're invasive. Stories are invasive mm-hmm. like kudzu. You know, you can't get away from them. Once you yeah, hear that story... That. You know, they are there and they're going to grow and they're going to take root. I think we know this. We know stories are important. Um, and I, they're that tool, I think, that we have to use and really leverage um, because, they're, you know, our panels are great and our lectures are great and our town halls are great. But until we hear the story, you know, until we tell our story mm-hmm. or, or can be vulnerable to listen to the other story, we won't, we won't get at that kind of universal human experience that is just like hey that's yeah me too you know yeah and I mean I think that at the end of the day with these you know all these things that we're talking about this great conversation we're having today it's you know we're we're all on this planet together and it's really all about relationships so you know it's the relationship that you have with yourself and it's a relationship that you have with others so I mean I I think for me the big takeaway is you know 
get to know yourself, kind of know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who you mm-hmm. are, be able to manage that, but then also be open to others and, you know, seek to understand, listen, you know, actually to listen, not to respond. And I think take every opportunity, um, whether it is, you know, it, it, maybe the obstacle is the way, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to bend and move and go around it, but take mm-hmm. everything as a learning opportunity right. and really just look to connect with other people and hear their point of view. So, um, this is awesome. This has been a great. Yeah, I love this. Um, you I know. guys just like I thought the last one, you know. <laughs> so the so anyone if you're listening to this and you listen to the last part one and part two, I'm not saying this one is better. However, <laughs> but it might be. However, but it, yeah, it could be. Only I'll know. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Like yeah. I mean, really, I'm I'm like honored, like yeah. to share this time of space in life with you guys and. I just love what you guys bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. and Megan knows, like, this is my, all I, I just care about people yeah. and I just want to serve. And you guys just make, like, part one and part two mm-hmm. of the last one and then this one here. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just, I feel like the world's, like, it's, the world's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> like, I feel like it's going to be good. Yeah. We're going to do it. Um, <laughs> well, Jed. Thank you for letting me ramble. You no, know, you're right. good. You're totally Because you know I, I mean, well, I let you do that. I'm a Gen time. Xer. All the time. Right? Um, okay. That's my label. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, Jed and Jessica, thank you so much for, you know, spending your time with us and sharing your voices. Um, this has been another great great episode of UCYP, Uphill Conversations for Young Professionals, where we have three goals, to elevate the voices of young professionals, to build a bridge across generations, and to inspire young professionals to lead. Hey, we would love it if you connected with us on Twitter at the UCYP or on Facebook. Please like and share Uphill Conversations Young Professionals or UCYP. If you think you would be a great guest on the show or know someone that would be, shoot us an email. We'd love to get you on the show. Tim at UphillConversations.co or Megan at UphillConversations.co. And don't forget to check out our website, UphillConversations.co slash UCYP.